Broadcasting from the campus of Loyola University, it's 88.7 WLUW, Chicago Sound Alliance. Thank you for joining me every Sunday morning at 11 here on 88.7 FM WLUW. Got an hour uninterrupted of your favorite small town kid. Go to the Loyola Phoenix, Nick Schultz. I know Sister Jean pretty well. I think he's the sports editor there. He is. Right? He's a sports he's editor. Yeah. Sports good, columnist, sports good writers. And, uh, and there's a, there's... I'd be lying if I said I wasn't watching baseball in class. Nick Schultz, who is a, a rising star in the profession. Our guy, Nick Schultz, covers oil for the student newspaper there, the Loyola Phoenix. I have to keep pinching myself <laughs> and asking if this is real. I cannot believe this is happening. I'm a poor, starving college student, so I would say I was physically here, but I wouldn't say I was mentally here. What a day it was yesterday in the world of sports. We had a lot going on. We had so much to talk about, especially from a Loyola standpoint, because the big game yesterday for the Ramblers going into DePaul, beating the Blue Demon 68-64. to That's going to be our lead today on the Sunday Sports Shootout here on WLUW 88.7 FM. I'm your host, Nick Schultz. It is always great to be back with you here. We've got a lot of basketball to talk about. We've got football to talk about, professional and college. We've got the Bears coming up at noon. The Bulls got a big win last night, and I can't wait to talk about it all with you right here. Please chime in on the conversation. Slide into my Twitter DMs or reply to my tweet at NickSchultz underscore 7. I will read any and all that I can read. But yeah, how about that Loyola game yesterday? So full disclosure here, i got to kind of set the scene for you with how I had this set up. So I had my usual Saturday shift with on three on the national news desk. And while I'm working, the SEC championship is going on at three o'clock central. Well, also at three o'clock central, Loyola is playing to Paul. So I'm sitting there getting everything together to work. And I've got the Georgia game on one side, Georgia, Alabama on one side, which that game did not go how I thought it would. And I've got Loyola DePaul on the other side. So I've got that on one screen, and I'm writing on the other. So I'm trying to balance 50 things at once. And usually I tweet during these football games that I'm watching and writing about. I think I tweeted two things about that Georgia-Alabama game. I was so focused and locked in on that Loyola DePaul game, and I'm glad I was because that game was exactly what we needed. I tweeted after the game that we deserve this game every year because it was that good. It lived up to the billing. Loyola led by 15 with 11.56 to play in the first half. That lead went away. They trailed at halftime, but the Ramblers ended up coming out with the win, 68-64 to at Wintrust Arena. It looked like a fantastic crowd. I saw a big Loyola turnout. I saw a big DePaul turnout. That's the type of atmosphere that we want with Chicago College basketball. I have been pounding my chest about this for a while. Chicago College basketball is really good. 
You saw that yesterday. Loyola and DePaul. DePaul came in 6-0. Loyola was, I think, 7-2 coming in. Those were two good teams out there. And yes, DePaul has shown it can be competitive. A lot of takeaways. There are, there's a lot to get to here. And I know Jonah Blatt's already in my DMs. <laughs> right as the show starts, he's in my DMs asking for a roll blurs. Yeah, <laughs> they definitely rolled yesterday. That was that second half. Wow. You know, that first half worried me. You know, they go in, they've got this 23-8 to lead with 11.56 to play. Then they go the next 10 minutes and 2 seconds without scoring at all. I'm sorry, they scored 3 points in 10 minutes and 2 seconds. That's not good. I really thought these cold spells, we've seen these cold spells before from this Loyola team. I really thought that that was going to leave with Porter Moser. I don't know why. I just thought maybe with the change of with Drew coming in, maybe he could stop that, maybe put an end to those little cold stretches. We've seen that a couple times now this year. Yesterday was just the most amplified, given the nature of the game. But what a way to battle back in the second half. Outscored DePaul 37-27 after halftime to come out with the victory. I'm telling you. This game needs to be an every-year thing. I tweeted this, and it's got almost 100 likes already, which I can't believe it's almost got 100 likes already. But that just shows how people feel about this game. We deserve this game every year. We did not have this game for nine years, ten years. The last time they played was 2012. And I want to say it was at Allstate Arena. Or the Rosemont Horizon, whatever you call it. I don't know why it stopped. I had been wondering that while I was at Loyola. I never got an answer. I mean, I had my theories on it. But I never got a true answer on it. But yesterday was awesome. And I really, really enjoyed it. I had such bad FOMO, man. I had been looking forward to this game for... I guess it's been two years because they were supposed to play last year before COVID hit. So two years since it's been announced, but I've been waiting for this game since I got to Loyola in the fall of 2016. And I had the FOMO was real yesterday because I'm I'm sitting there. I had to work, which don't you won't hear me complain about working. Let me be perfectly honest with you. I love I love my job. It's just as a former Loyola student, as a Loyola alum, I wanted to be there because that's the atmosphere I wanted to see. But it was really cool on TV hearing the announcers even talk about the atmosphere. I saw Sister Jean was there, which was great to see. But this needs to be a yearly thing. And I hope both schools agree to that. Because you saw the turnout at Wintrust. Imagine how it would be at Genteel. Imagine how it would be if you got all five Chicago area teams involved. And I say Chicago area because Northwestern's in Evanston. Evanston is not in Chicago. If you can get all five of those teams to play like they do, what is it, the Big Five in Philly? If Chicago can have something like that happen, imagine the turnout. I mean, man, that's, I mean, it'll never happen. That's pretty much the consensus. It'll never happen. But what an atmosphere yesterday at Wintrust Arena. You know, we need more of that with Chicago College basketball. Like, 
Major League Baseball is in a lockout. And I don't want to spend a lot of time talking about it because you already know how I feel about the commissioner of Major League Baseball. I've made that perfectly clear on this show many, many times. But baseball is in a lockout now. And, I mean, I'm not alone when I say I don't think the season's going to start on time. So you're not going to have baseball on time. This baseball offseason's at a standstill. The Bears are bad. I mean, you can only talk about how bad the Bears are so many times. The Blackhawks, eh, I, it's going to take me at least until the end of the season to start regularly watching Blackhawks games again and start regularly talking about Blackhawks games again. So really, right now, at least from my standpoint, right now, because the Sky season is over, they won the title. The Red Star season's over. They lost in the title. The Fire and... You got the Bulls, who are half game out of the Eastern Conference, or half game out of first place in the Eastern Conference, by the way. And you've got college basketball. DePaul is now 6-1. and one. Loyola is 8-2. and two. This game, this game should have put Chicago College Basketball on the map at the perfect time. It seemed like the talk of the town. As I was talking about that, my mom was at the grocery store this morning, and I texted her, hey, can you get me a copy of the Chicago Tribune? Because someone posted a picture of it. I think it was uh, Bruce Miles, Loyola alum, posted a picture of the Chicago Tribune today. And I have it in my hand right now because she brought it up here as I was talking. There's a big picture of Lucas Williamson holding his jersey with a headline that says, Kings of Chicago. And it's written by Paul Sullivan. It says, Ramblers hang on in renewal of a city rivalry that lives up to the hype. It did. It absolutely lived up to the hype. I wasn't sure it would. You know, Loyola led by 15 in that first half. I wasn't sure how this was going to go. I was worried we were going to be in for a blowout. No, we got a really good college basketball game. And you saw what Loyola's defense can do. The nature of Loyola's defense, and you knew the defense wasn't going to take a step back. Even the announcers were saying that yesterday during the broadcast. You have the architect of the defense, the defensive coordinator, as Porter Moser called him, and Drew Valentine leading this team. This defense wears you down. It did that when Porter Moser was in charge. It's doing that with Drew Valentine in charge. And you saw what it did in the second half. It finally wore them down. It wore DePaul down. They scored 27 points in the second half. Javon Freeman Liberty had 7 points. He averages like 25-5 a game. He had 7 points. It was a great defensive effort from Lucas Williamson, who the, the announcers, now this was FS1, this was... This wasn't ESPN3, no disrespect to the ESPN3 broadcast. Jordan Burnfield and company, they do a great job. FS1, that's national TV. The Big East has a contract with FS1. And the FS1 announcers, and they said it on the postgame show too. This defense, Lucas Williamson leads the charge, and he's cementing himself as one of the premier defenders in college basketball. I mean, he showed what he can do. If there's nothing to take away 
There are two games where you can point to where Lucas Williamson puts himself above the rest. I look at the round of 32 last year against Illinois, where he shut down Iota Sumu, who's doing work in the NBA. More on that in a little bit. He shut down Iota Sumu last year. And then yesterday, he shut down Javon Freeman Liberty. Now, I know Loyola's no stranger to Javon Freeman Liberty. He played at Valpo for a couple years. I remember vividly the game at Gentile Arena where Marquise Kennedy was on him, and Valpo fans still complain it was a foul. I still say it wasn't a foul. Loyola is no stranger to JFL. And you put Lucas on him, he, I mean, they were teammates in high school. They both played at Whitney Young. That's the other thing. If you can renew this rivalry year in and year out, and you can make this thing a big game, if you can make this the biggest game on your schedule, imagine what it does for local recruiting. Think about it. DePaul basketball has a great history in the 80s, and I, I understand Loyola. I'm getting to Loyola's history. I know that before people say it, I know Loyola's got a great history too. I'll get to that. But in the 80s, DePaul was on this channel called WGN. DePaul has the name recognition. So beating DePaul, yeah, that still rings in people's ears. That's still, that is still a big win for alumni. And then you look at Loyola's history, the only team in the state of Illinois to win a national championship in 1963. The 1985 team made the Sweet 16. Loyola has that basketball history too. But it's not as amplified as DePaul because DePaul got that contract with Channel 9. And they had these names. You know, they had Dave Corzine, Mark Aguirre. And I'm missing a bunch. But you get my point. You can make this game the rivalry. Cubs versus Sox. Probably not up to that level because it's Cubs-Sox. But you can bill it as that. It's a cross-town rivalry. You had two Chicago kids in Lucas Williamson and Javon Freeman Liberty going mano a mano yesterday. And it was awesome. You also had Marquise Kennedy going off. He got into foul trouble too. Imagine when T.Y. Johnson develops into the player we all hope because he's going to be at Loyola. He's a local kid too. Ben Schwieger is redshirting this year. He's from Aurora. This game is going to mean more for these local guys. And Drew Valentine talked about that yesterday with what it meant for Lucas Williamson. He talked about it on the postgame show that Lucas is from Chicago and he's had this game circled for a long time. This can be huge in recruiting and it can get the city excited about college basketball. That was an amazing crowd yesterday. So, more takeaways. Loyola's still here. They're not going anywhere. They're going to make some noise in March Madness. That's what people are saying. Lucas Williamson is the difference maker on this team. They talked about it on the show, on the postgame show. 15 points, 5 rebounds, 2 assists, 3 steals. Shut down Javon Freeman Liberty. 
But looking at DePaul, DePaul proved they can still be competitive. JFL had seven points. They still only lost by four. This Blue Demons team is different. If Dave Lato's there, they don't come back from that 15-point deficit. They don't take a halftime lead. Tony Stubblefield might not have been the most popular hire. Actually, no, he was not the most popular hire. But he's got something here. If he can recruit, and it looks like he can, DePaul's going to be something, and probably not the seller of the Big East. What a game that was yesterday. I just, I'm so mad I wasn't there. I want to hear your thoughts. Loyola fans, DePaul fans, chime in. Hit me up on Twitter, Nick Schultz underscore seven. If I could take your call, I would take your call, but I can't take calls because I'm working remotely. One of these days, and I'm just kind of teasing this, one of these days I'm going to do a Twitter spaces because I learned that I've never looked into Twitter spaces before. I've never used it. I've never been on one. I have learned that I can quote-unquote take calls, which means I can have people chime in. Instead of typing and me reading what you say, you can say what you want to say. So we're going to do some Twitter spaces here this season. But for now, slide into my Twitter DMs. They're open. Send me a tweet, Nick Schultz underscore seven. Throughout the show, I'll pivot back. Jonah Blatt, who was at that game yesterday, the Bishop Emeritus of Blurs now, or is he back to the Bishop? I don't know. Uh, he says, I feel like DePaul panicked on the stretch. They put up a lot of bad shots in those final four minutes. That's Loyola's defense. That's what Loyola's defense makes you do. They've done that at least since Drew Valentine got there in 2017. There's a reason the defense has been so steady with Drew Valentine there. So what's next here? What's next on both teams' schedules? Well, later this week, Loyola gets a little reprieve. They take on Roosevelt Tuesday. And Roosevelt, I think, are they D3? They used to be NAIA. I think they're D3. Either way, cupcake game. They take on Roosevelt Tuesday at 7 p.m. And then Friday... This, is a, this can be a good one. They travel to Nashville to take on Vanderbilt. Now, if you recall, the last time Loyola played Vanderbilt, Cameron Crutwig put up the first triple-double in program history. I know that's crazy, right? One triple-double in program history. I'll never forget talking to one person about it, one person in the athletic department. As I brought up, Al Frederick Hughes didn't have a triple-double. And the exact quote was, Al didn't like the pass. That's Friday. And then I'm guessing it's finals week because they don't have another game for nine days, which I'm just going to fill people in now. Norfolk State, that's Sunday, December 19th at Gentile Arena. 
your boy is going to be there. It's going to be the first Loyola game I've seen in person since Arch Madness of 2020. It was right before COVID hit. Cannot wait for that. I can't wait to see everybody. Hope to see you there. Gentile Arena, Sunday, December 19th. There will obviously not be a show that day because I will be driving up to Chicago. But yeah, I w- I'm looking forward to seeing everybody again, seeing this team in person because this, this is a special team. Let's look at what's next for DePaul. They've got Duquesne coming up Tuesday. And then they have Louisville on Friday. And then they have UIC on Tuesday, which brings me to my next point here. Just staying on college basketball for a little bit because I do want I have a lot of other stuff I want to talk about, but this just triggered something in my head. The Missouri Valley is looking to expand. Obviously, they're losing Loyola. And Loyola is joining the Atlantic 10, which, looking at that schedule, DePaul is playing Duquesne on Tuesday. That's an Atlantic 10 team. The Valley is losing its biggest TV market, its biggest market, period. A report came out from my buddy Wyatt Wheeler this week that UIC reached out to the Valley about joining the league. Matt Norlander at CBS kind of backed this up and said there's interest. And the Valley wants to expand to 13 to 14 teams. And I got really into this discussion on Twitter before I had to pivot away for work purposes. But what a crazy week in sports. Um, I'll talk all about it next second half hour. If the Valley, I don't want to say if the Valley is smart. Because I, I really, I think they are going to be smart about this. If the Valley really wants to replace the Chicago market, and that has to, I guess that, it's not the entire reason why I'd say this, because UIC does have a good basketball program, well, an up-and-coming basketball program. They're diverse, it's a big school. If If I was Jeff Jackson, the minute I got word that Loyola was leaving, I'd have made a phone call to UIC. I mean, think about it. They have a coach who's a prominent name. I mean, he was an assistant coach at Michigan when Michigan beat Loyola in the Final Four and played the national championship under John Beeline. He also went to coach at Texas. I believe it was Texas under Shaka Smart. And then he wound up at UIC last year. I'm a big Luke Yakush fan. If you listen to the show long enough, you know that. And I really think the Valley should go after UIC to join the league. Now, I know there's rumors about Murray State, Missouri, Kansas City, Texas Arlington, which that one just kind of seems out of nowhere. But if the Valley wants to go to 13, 14 teams, Get UIC in the league. So that just registered that, and I wanted to just get that off my chest. Okay, we are going to move on to college football a little earlier than I thought I would because the CFP rankings are out. The college football playoff committee just announced who's going to be playing in the CFP this year. This literally just happened. Here's what we've got. Well, so far, they're kind of trickling in through Twitter. 
I'll go back to the Valley stuff in a second. Number six, Ohio State. Number five, Notre Dame. And that's because number four is Cincinnati. Cincinnati made the playoff. How about that? I was really worried there was going to be some way, somehow, the committee would keep Cincinnati out of the CFP this year. Cincinnati is in. Luke Fickle has done an amazing job at Cincinnati. He was one of the names thrown out after Brian Kelly left this week, which I haven't talked about yet. I'm getting to it. I have thoughts. Trust me. But what a job they've done. I'm a big Luke Fickle fan. I'm a big Desmond Ritter fan. I'll be a Cincinnati fan during the playoff. Why not? They beat my Irish this year. May as well. Now, the real key, the the real thing I want to see is who comes in next. Georgia's coming in at number three, which is what I expected. My prediction here, before I started the show, I wrote it down. I predicted Michigan number one, Alabama number two, Georgia three, Cincinnati four. So far, Georgia and Cincinnati have come in where I thought. Now it's going to be where does the Cincinnati rank Alabama? They're probably going to put Alabama number one, but I think Michigan should be number one. I think Michigan... And I know there's no such thing as a, quote, quality loss. But Michigan lost to Michigan State. Michigan State, I believe, if I got this right, is still a top top 10 team coming into today. Alabama lost to Texas A&M, which I believe was number 13. No, I was 13. Number 14 or 15 is where Texas A&M fell. If the committee is going to look at that, Michigan should be the number one team. So should Michigan be number one? Yes. Will Alabama be? Probably. We'll see. It's probably going to be announced here shortly. But the big thing is Cincinnati's in the playoff. I was so worried that the Bearcats were going to be on the outside looking in just like my fighting Irish were. I had hoped that Notre Dame was going to make the playoff when Oklahoma State lost yesterday. I really did. Because I really thought Georgia was going to beat Alabama, and then that happened. I mean, that was not how I expected that SEC title game to go. Alabama won 41-24, which is probably why the committee is going to make an argument to put Alabama number one. But at the same time, Michigan beat Iowa. Let me... I want to make sure I get this final score right. 42-3. And there it is. Alabama number one, Michigan number two, Georgia number three, Cincinnati number four. I don't agree with it, but it is what it is. So you're going to have Alabama versus Cincinnati in the Cotton Bowl and Michigan versus Georgia in the Orange Bowl. That's the other reason I could have seen Alabama being number one. They want to set up, the committee wants to set up Alabama-Georgia round two in the national championship. And looking at these matchups, yeah, Alabama-Georgia in the national championship. 
So the rankings are set. The teams are set. The college football playoff is almost here. Yeah, I really thought, I was really thinking, if it was me, and I know a lot of people thought this too, outside of apparently the committee, I'd have put Michigan number one. But any scenario that would have had Notre Dame in the playoff, man, wouldn't that have been fun? So let's go back through this week. Well, I'm skipping the rest of the Valley talk. We're moving on. Because this is uh, this is obviously breaking news. It's ju- literally just happened. So the playoff rankings are set now. I really hope Notre Dame was going to be in it after what happened this week. And if you missed what happened this week, you either don't follow college football or you don't watch ESPN. I'm going to tell you what happened. After I remind you, you're listening to the Sunday Sports Shootout here on WLUW 88.7 FM, broadcasting from the campus of Loyola University of Chicago. I'm coming to you from Dwight, Illinois, about an hour and a half south of the city. It is rainy, it is cold, it is dreary, but we're still on the air having fun, talking CFP right now. All right, earlier this week, I went to go see my grandma. And as I'm there with my parents, seeing my grandma, I get an alert on my phone that says LSU is targeting Brian Kelly. And I think to myself, okay, Brian Kelly to LSU. All right, that's interesting. It ended up happening to the tune of 10 years, $95 million. I really didn't think Brian Kelly was ever going to leave Notre Dame. Unless they fired him, which was never going to happen because he's the winningest coach in program history. It felt like, and I made this, I made this joke earlier this week. I went on Sports Map Radio this week for an interview, and I made the comment: "If you blinked, you missed it." About Lincoln Riley. Well, if you blinked, you missed it. Brian Kelly left Notre Dame, and I just read a story last night about how he was at a recruit's house the night it happened. Look, you never heard me defend Brian Kelly on this show. Was never really a big fan, but the guy won in the regular season. He didn't. He, he and Kirby Smart have one thing in common: they can't win when it matters. But anyway, back to my point. Brian Kelly leaves, so then the questions come up: Who's going to replace him? It's Notre Dame. I mean, that's. Outside of Alabama, the biggest job in college football. The university wanted the defensive coordinator named Marcus Freeman, ironically, former Cincinnati defensive coordinator Marcus Freeman, to get promoted. Other names I heard thrown around were Luke Fickle and Matt Campbell. Now, Matt Campbell at Iowa State was my choice. But I like Marcus Freeman a lot. And then later this week, Notre Dame announced Marcus Freeman was being promoted to head coach. Tommy Reese is staying on as offensive coordinator. A lot of continuity within the coaching staff. I don't know if, did they lose anyone to LSU? I know Kelly was working on bringing, or at least reportedly, he was reportedly working on bringing Freeman and Tommy Reese to LSU. That didn't happen, obviously. 
But the timing of this. Brian Kelly left as Notre Dame was in contention for the college football playoff. I was really, and I know I'm a Notre Dame fan, so that's going to be my bias, but I know a lot of other people who don't like Notre Dame. But they don't like Brian Kelly that much more to where they said, I hope Notre Dame goes and wins a national championship in spite of Brian Kelly. Wouldn't that be something? Because if there's one thing Notre Dame was really good at under Brian Kelly, it's crumpling under pressure in a bowl game. I was really hoping Notre Dame would go on a run under Marcus Freeman. That's obviously not going to happen. If you're just joining us, the college football playoff has been announced. It is set. Alabama 1, Michigan 2, Georgia 3, Cincinnati 4. Notre Dame 5, Ohio State 6. So looking at these matchups, as I said, it's going to be Alabama versus Cincinnati and then Michigan versus Georgia. The committee wanted to set up Alabama-Georgia Part 2. We had Alabama-Georgia Part 1 yesterday. The Crimson Tide just absolutely rolled 41-24. And it was not how I thought it'd go. Georgia's defense heading into that game Take that total that Alabama scored. 41, let's round up to 42 for math purposes here. 42, divide that by 7. Actually, I'll do one better. Divide it by 6, and that's the amount of points that Georgia's given up all year. They're given up on average all year. 7 points a game. And Bryce Young in Alabama went in there and put up 41 points on him. That was amazing. It's not how I thought it'd go. Alabama was a six and a half point underdog. So now we're going to have Alabama Georgia part two in the national championship if they both win their games. Now, I think Alabama's going to beat Cincinnati. Give Bryce Young the Heisman Trophy winner. Now, I know I've come on these airways before, and I've said multiple times to give Kenneth Walker the Heisman. He's obviously the running back at Michigan State. Yeah, I'm changing my tune on that. Just after yesterday, give Bryce Young the trophy. I don't think Cincinnati's going to have an answer for him or Jamison Williams. Now, John Mechie's out, their other top target. But still, you got Jamison Williams out there with Bryce Young? Nah. I think Alabama's going to win that game. Georgia-Michigan's going to be interesting. That's going to be a real interesting matchup. You saw what Michigan did to Iowa. And I've said before, I'm not a big Spencer Patriots fan at Iowa. I think Stetson Bennett is a better quarterback than Spencer Petras. Granted, it doesn't take much to be a better quarterback than Spencer Petras in the, in the Big Ten or SEC. But I think that's going to be an interesting game. The key for Georgia is going to be to stop the run game, which they've proven they can. 
Georgia's going to have to be able to stop that two-headed monster of Hassan Haskins and Blake Corum. Right now, and this is after yesterday, Georgia has the third best rushing defense in college football at 81.7 yards per game allowed. To put that in perspective, let's see how Michigan's offense, Michigan's rushing offense, ranks ninth in college football with 223.9 yards per game on the ground. That's a lot. That shows you how much they rely on the run game. If Georgia can take that away, even a little bit, Georgia should win. And that sets up Alabama-Georgia Part 2 in the National Championship, and the ratings are going to be through the roof. Man, I wish Notre Dame was in that field. We will find out what what bowl game everybody's playing in. There's going to be New Year's Six Bowls figured out, every other bowl game figured out. I believe that happens today. Pretty sure that happens today. But either way, your top four, and this is official final rankings, Alabama, Michigan, Georgia, Cincinnati. We'll see what happens from here as far as other bowl games go. Uh, Let me see when the college football playoff games happen. The... Semifinals, I don't believe they've been, oh, I'm sorry, here they are. College football playoff semifinals, Cotton Bowl, Orange Bowl. Cotton Bowl played in Arlington, Texas. Orange Bowl played in Miami. That'll be Friday, December 31st, New Year's Eve. Times have yet to be determined. Or at least, not that I've seen yet, that, that was from yesterday. So New Year's Eve is when we get the CFP semifinals. And New Year's Eve this year falls on a Friday night. So I'm guessing those will be night games. Maybe an after, late afternoon and a night game. I forget how they usually do this. I mean, this, this is my first year covering college football, so it's taken me a minute to figure out what the tendencies are, where everything usually falls. I mean, usually I'm in full college basketball mode by now, and here I am still talking college football because I've been covering it all year. I expect Bama to beat Cincinnati pretty handily. I think Michigan-Georgia is going to be a good game. All right, that's, I think, enough college football. If anything else happens, if we get times for these games, I'll pivot back. But you've heard the top four. I don't agree with it, but it is what it is. I didn't think I would. I mean, I'm a realist. I, I said Michigan should be the number one team in the country because Michigan, in my mind, is the number one team in the country. But if you have a college football playoff committee, you've got to look at ratings and, okay, do we want to set this up? Because we had this conversation last March when they set up Loyola, Illinois, in the second round of the NCAA tournament. Instead of putting it later, it's because they wanted to be sure that fans got that matchup. And that's not the whole reason for putting Illinois as a one seed. Loyola is what, an eight seed? 
That's not the whole reason you do it, but it definitely plays a factor in it. So now you're seeing it again. The ratings for that national championship would be through the roof. We'll see if it ends up happening. All right, I'm going to move on to the Bulls here because I did want to get to the Bulls before I talk college football. Is it obvious I didn't know when the rankings were dropping? I thought they were coming out tonight. Yeah, I thought I thought the rankings came out tonight, but I guess they come out in the morning. It was a nice little surprise. All right, Bulls. Last night, what a game in Brooklyn. Wow. The Bulls enter that game a game and a half behind the Nets for first place in the Eastern Conference. After that game, they are a half game back of the top spot in the East. Bulls, 111-107, which is even more impressive when you think that they didn't have Kobe White. They didn't have Javante Green, who have both tested positive for COVID-19. They're vaccinated. Hopefully they're going to be okay, but they're COVID positive. Alex Caruso played only eight minutes last night with a hamstring injury. He got pulled, didn't play the rest of the game. The Bulls still found a way to win that game. Zach Levine, 31 points, eight rebounds, six assists. DeMar DeRozan, 29.6 rebounds, three assists. That's the 11th time through 24 games they've had 25-plus points. It's the first duo to do that. I just saw this stat before coming on the air, and I, I absolutely loved it. The last duo on a team to score 25 or more points a game 11 times through 24 games were two guys you probably heard of, Shaquille O'Neal and Kobe Bryant, 2000-2001. How about that? Remember when people were wondering about how DeMar DeRozan would fit in with this team? I think he's I think he's fitting in just fine. But that was a statement last night from the Bulls. And they showed a stat on the broadcast, which that's I had to think about it. That is a weird stat, but it's a cool stat. If you recall a couple weeks ago, the Bulls went into L.A. and beat the Clippers and the Lakers at Staples Center. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. Is it Crypto.com Arena yet? It's always going to be the Staples Center. The Bulls beat the Clippers and the Lakers back-to-back in L.A. On this road trip, the Bulls beat the Knicks the other day, and they beat the Nets last night. First time in Bulls history. They have, beat, they have won consecutive games in New York and L.A. in the same season. I'm just full of weird stats today, I guess. I saw that on the broadcast last night. Like, well, I'm talking about that on the air. But yeah, what a performance last night from the Bulls. And man, this team's legit. I'm sorry. I think I'm, I could be overreacting. But right now, we are 23 games into this thing. And they still look good. Here's where they sit in the rest of the NBA standings. Obviously, as I said, they're a half game behind the Nets for first place. They're a game up on the Bucks. The Bucks are 15 and 9. The Wizards are 14 and 9. The Heat are 14 and 10. The Cavs, how about the Cavs? 13 and 10. Boston and Charlotte tied at 13 and 11. Philadelphia and Atlanta tied at 12 and 11. I came into this year saying that the Bulls should be a top-four team in the Eastern Conference. I didn't think they'd be better than the Nets. I didn't think they'd be better than the Bucks. 
I didn't think they'd be better than the 76ers. I thought maybe it'd be a toss-up with the Miami Heat. Through 20, I'm sorry, it's 24 games into this thing. The Bulls have a better record than the Bucks, the Heat, and the 76ers, and they are a half game back of the Nets. They have won three in a row, which is the, heh, it's the second longest winning streak in the East behind Cleveland, who's won four in a row. This team is gaining some national attention, too. I guess, so I saw Stephen A. Smith was at the Knicks game the other night when the Bulls were playing the Knicks. And he went on first take the next day, and he said Zach Levine came over to him. This is a direct quote. This is hilarious. He said Zach Levine came over to him, and he said, he told Stephen A., I know you don't want us to win this game, but it ain't happening. And they went out there and they won the game. This team's got swagger. They've got confidence. Through 24 games, they are eight games over 500. And as I look at this, fifth best record in the NBA. How about them bulls? Buy stock now, all aboard the bandwagon. I'm driving. That's a fun team. Best, they're the best team in town right now. Well, best professional team in town right now. I mean, the college basketball is still pretty great, like I was saying. But we, I mean, that, that's a really good Brooklyn team that they beat last night. They had Harden and Durant, and they beat them. Now, I know they don't have Kyrie Irving. They're, Brooklyn's a different team with Kyrie, but still, holy cow. Let's look ahead to this week. Here's what they've got coming up. They've got Denver at home tomorrow. We'll see if Nikola Jokic plays. If Nikola Jokic plays, we're going to really see what this team's made of. Then they travel to Cleveland. Then they're back, they're back on the road in Miami for a rematch with the Heat. And then it kind of eases up a little bit. They've got Detroit and Toronto. The over-30 league that is the L.A. Lakers. Houston again. Toronto, Indiana. Atlanta back-to-back. And then Indiana to close out the year. Oh, and they play the Wizards on New Year's Day. That's cool. So the schedule is not that grueling stretch that it was a few weeks ago. But that's a pretty favorable schedule. And I think this team's going to keep getting better. I think they're learning to play together, and it's looking really good. The other thing that we have to maybe possibly a little bit start talking about, it is December now. Can you believe that? It's December. A month from now, it'll be 2022. Isn't that crazy? The trade deadline is coming up February 10th, and a about this time last year. Now, I know last year was weird with the COVID year and the trade deadline was at a weird time. But about this time last year, we started hearing some rumors about the Bulls being interested in some point guard from New Orleans named Lonzo Ball. 
So we've got to maybe start thinking about the trade deadline a little bit. Not a lot. We don't have to start talking about it like it's tomorrow, but just a little bit. And speaking of the Lonzo trade, the tampering report came out this week. The investigation into the tampering allegations against the Bulls with the Lonzo sign-in trade. So I talked about this on the Believe in Bulls podcast this week with the tampering investigation. The news came out about the Lonzo trade, the Lonzo sign-in trade. First, it came out right at 5 o'clock on August 2nd. Now, the rule in the NBA is you cannot negotiate in any form before 5 o'clock Central on August 2nd. 5 p.m. on the dot, August 2nd. Sham Sharania, friend of the show, he tweeted that Lonzo and the Bulls agreed to a deal. Okay, that's not uncommon for a deal to be announced right as free agency starts. Cool. Seven minutes later, Shams reported the sign-in trade. Now, the thing about sign-in trades, they cannot be negotiated that fast. There's a lot that goes into those. You've got to do salary matches. You've got to get the contract ironed out. There's a lot that goes into it. You cannot negotiate a sign-in trade in seven minutes. So the Bulls were found to have tampered, and the NBA announced the punishment this week. Now, the punishment for tampering can run from losing a draft pick, suspension of executives, voiding the contract in worst cases, but that this that was ruled out immediately. This was not that bad. The punishment came out, and it was just a loss of a second-round pick. That's it. The sign-in trade involved two players in a second. So as I said on the podcast this week, the Bulls effectively gave up two players and two second-round picks for Lonzo Ball. Apparently, according to a couple reports, the Bulls were bracing for suspensions of Arturis Karnaschovas and maybe Mark Eversley. That didn't happen, obviously. Yeah, it was a second-round pick was all. I think, I think it's worth it, to be honest with you. The way Lonzo's been playing this year, he's been a big part of this offense. This offense looks really good. You kept hearing me say last year they need a true point guard. They got a true point guard, and he's great. Got about nine minutes left here. Want to talk some Bears, but first, the betting odds are out for the college football playoff games already. Here's what we're looking at. According to FanDuel Sportsbook, Alabama is a 14-point favorite over Cincinnati. Georgia is a 7.5-point favorite over Michigan. The over-under for Alabama-Cincinnati is 57.5, and and for Georgia-Michigan, it's 43.5. So if you're into sports betting at all, that's what you're looking at for New Year's Eve. All right, let's talk Bears real quick. Bears-Cardinals coming up at noon on Fox. It's not going to be pretty today, folks. Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins are active for Arizona. Andy Dalton is back under center for the Bears. Isn't that great? But here's who's not playing today. Justin Fields isn't, as he recovers from that rib injury that he suffered. 
against the Ravens last week. Now, or two weeks ago. I don't think Justin Fields should play another down this year. That's just me. Damian Williams is out, okay? David Montgomery, Khalil Herbert running the run game. Great, that's awesome. Allen Robinson is out today. Marquise Goodwin is out today. So that's going to leave Darnell Mooney and Darnell Mooney. Akeem Hicks is not playing today. Mario Edwards is not playing today. Khalil Mack is still on the injured reserve. Roquan Smith is active, but he's not 100%. It's raining in Chicago. It is windy in Chicago. This is not going to be pretty. I mean, I'm perfectly fine being absolutely wrong here. Maybe the Red Rifle Andy Dalton can show something that I don't see right now. Prove people wrong. Prove me wrong. I don't care. Arizona is a seven and a half point favorite today. And that was before Kyler and D Hop were announced as active. I have no idea what Bears team we're going to get today. No Akeem Hicks is huge. James Connors having a monster year for the Cardinals. And this is just the start of it for the one and only Chicago Bears. Because looking at their schedule. They've got the Cardinals today. Next week, Packers week in Green Bay. Then Minnesota, then Seattle, then the Giants, and then at Minnesota to close out the year. The fire Nagy chants have been literally everywhere. I'm not exaggerating. Literally everywhere. I think they were chanting at Illinois Notre Dame this week, which some people were saying that maybe the Illinois student section was chanting higher Nagy because that was the day Brian Kelly announced he was leaving or not announced he was leaving. The news broke that Brian Kelly was leaving and then he told his team the next day in a nine minute meeting or no, I'm sorry. He spoke for two and a half minutes. He was there for about 10 minutes and then he just left, but we won't go there. We're pr I'm pretty sure they were chanting fire Nagy, but people were saying maybe they were chanting higher Nagy because they wanted the Fighting Irish to hire Matt Nagy, which my parents kept joking about that, and I did not appreciate that joke whatsoever. The Bears are playing at home today. It is not great. It, the, the conditions aren't great. I think it's going to be a rough game on both sides. But if the Bears are playing bad and it, they're Arizona has not lost a road game all year. Arizona is playing really, really well under Cliff Kingsbury, who is not taking the Oklahoma job, by the way. That was another crazy rumor to swirl around after Lincoln Riley left for USC was Cliff Kingsbury. He is not taking the Oklahoma job. He's staying in Arizona, rightfully so. I would, too. I mean, would you stay in the NFL with the Arizona Cardinals or move to Norman and Oklahoma to lead the Oklahoma Sooners? I know what I'd take. But my point is... The game's at Soldier Field today. Apparently the crowd is not great. I just saw a tweet from a season ticket holder who said he's been to every home game this year, the smallest crowd he's seen. And I'm sure the weather doesn't help that either. If it gets ugly today, the Boo Birds are going to come out. You're going to hear Fire Nagy again. I mean, you're not going to escape that. 
you're going to hear more Fire Nagy chants. And I, looking at the schedule, the Bears play the Packers next week. If there's one thing we know about the McCaskies, especially Mrs. McCaskey, Virginia, they don't like losing to the Packers. She hates losing to Green Bay. That's why Lovey got fired. That's why Trustman got fired finally. I know we've talked a lot this year. A lot has been made about firing Matt Nagy in season because the Bears don't fire coaches in season. I've got my eye on that game because that's a primetime Sunday night football game between the Bears and the Packers. If the Bears get embarrassed, pun intended, in primetime again, heads should roll. But this is coming from the guy who said heads should roll last year after they lost to Detroit. That's still the last win the Lions have had, by the way, was against the Bears last year when the Bears threw the game away. It looks really cold at Soldier Field. Matt Nagy's wearing a stocking cap instead of a visor, which I'm surprised he's not wearing the visor over the stocking cap, but whatever. All right, we got two minutes. It is cold at Soldier Field. It is rainy and windy at Soldier Field. Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins are back. James Conner's having a huge year. The Cardinals have not lost on the road this year. I think they're going to continue to win on the road. 21-7 to is my prediction. I don't think the Bears are going to do much of anything today. I think the only way they're going to score is if David Montgomery scores a touchdown on the ground. I don't expect much in the air because of the conditions. I think it's going to be a sloppy game on both sides. I'm taking Arizona 21-7. to And you're going to hear the boos. You're going to hear Fire Nagy. And I know Eddie Jackson came out this week and said the players hate hearing Fire Nagy. But the fans are frustrated. And I don't, he said, oh, I understand the fans' frustrations. I don't think you do. And no disrespect to Eddie Jackson. I mean, I know he's having a rough year. I'm, I'm putting his performance aside. Trying to remember the timeline of when he was drafted. But if my memory serves correctly, he was not here for the Trustman years. I think he was here. Was he in the same draft as Trubisky? Or was he the draft before? Either way, he wasn't here through the whole John Fox era. Fans are frustrated, understandably so. It's not going to get any easier with this schedule the next three, four weeks. We'll see what happens today. I'm not optimistic. That's why I didn't talk Bears until the last 10 minutes of the show. I'm out of time. Thank you, everybody, for listening. We're going to be right back here next week having a lot more fun. We'll have a lot more college basketball to talk as well, hopefully. Hope to see you back here then. Until next week, stay safe, stay healthy. We're going to get the vaccine when you can. See you back here next Sunday here on WLUW 88.7 FM. Have an awesome week, everybody.